Jiwiz Guide, Episode 8, Free Will Consideration. I am certain there have been many, many table talks about the subject of free will. Before throwing my own thoughts onto the table though, let me bring this with a disclaimer. What I share in this way, it is meant to allow for glimpses into deeper wonders. For anyone who wants to take these thoughts and dive deeper into the water, I always encourage that. This is by no means all-encompassing. Allow me to be raw for just a moment. This comes not from a heated debate with friend or foe, but from times when I have wondered if God is for me, then what could be against me? Romans 8.31 But of course, what could be against me is not actually the devil or any human being, but indeed my own free will. My choice to say yes or no in regards to his divine sovereignty versus our free will. Well, when I thought of free will, how I process, I found divine sovereignty to be a tug of war type argument that acts as a distraction to a gift God gave us, its purpose and our responsibility with it. Maybe the aspect of the whole divine sovereignty versus our free will could touch a wee bit on human entitlement. But free will goes back to in the beginning when God created. He wanted children that would love him and choose him simply because they wanted to, not because they were made to. So he gave us innate free will. God is love and light. When you choose not to love him, it inevitably creates for that which is not of him, darkness, fear, disease, pain, etc. He didn't create these things. It was an inescapable result of the free will gift we enjoy every second of our lives. But knowing what it would create, he also knew that we would need to be saved from the consequences of not choosing him. Hence the need for a savior. This is why he himself hung cursed on a cross, Jesus Christ the Messiah, so that whosoever wants, by their free will choice, to be saved can be saved back to him. We are saved from something and unto something. I kept asking the Lord, what does this free gift, this gift of free will actually entail from your perspective? Considering different theological arguments, reading specific scriptures, looking at particular moments in the Bible when free will appears to be bulldozed over by the Lord. And then just considering psychology, the power of the human will. Have you ever raised a strong-willed child compared to one who is just decidedly more agreeable? Were you a strong-willed child? Are you still strong-willed? It isn't a bad thing. Like powerful wind, if you can direct it in the right direction or catch it in a sail, it is a dynamic resource. As I understood free will, it is the ability of the soul, mind, emotions, conscience, to think, feel, and deliberate as it chooses. Innate freedom. There are levels to this freedom of the will. Regardless if you know Christ as Savior or not, when he gives a gift, he doesn't take it back. It is the very thing that allows you to choose him because you want to or to not choose him. So we all carry a level of intrinsic freedom. What comes to mind is a picture I saw of a little girl being told to sit down wherein she does because she is made to for whatever the reason, but the caption reads, I may be sitting, but in my heart, I am standing. I will choose my thoughts and my heart posture. 
This is why as parents, caregivers, even teachers, coaches, etc., we are called to shape the will, not break it. It is a force of good or evil. But free will says you get to decide. You get to choose. No one could ever take that away from you. Although wicked people will try and break it, which we see unfortunately in abusive situations, both on individual levels and on mass scale, such as Nazi Germany and the like. Free will is freedom. But I mentioned earlier levels of freedom. Let's roll back momentarily to the Garden of Eden. Consider for a moment Adam and Eve with a focus on the freedom they had. They had free reign of everything and anything. They could choose to think or feel whatever they wanted, have whatever they wanted, with the exception of one thing, but the choice was always theirs. How were they different from us? They were different in what they knew. They only knew love. They only understood his presence and his perfect order, his perfect love. The idea there was anything else to behold, to adore, and to have a place of reverence in their heart was an incomprehensible thought. That one exception, that one thing they couldn't eat from was of course the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which they partook of not because they were rejecting the Lord, but because they were deceived. Suddenly, they were filled with the knowledge they were never supposed to carry, and it ushered in a new kingdom, which came with all that is opposite of love. The transaction which took place in that garden caused a seed of poison to be inserted within our DNA, which binds us to it, enslaves us. We can henceforth refer to this bondage as the sin nature. So we as human beings war with sin nature all the time, good and bad, right and wrong. It is flesh warring. Indeed, though, it is bondage to a dark kingdom that took over all the earth as Adam and Eve opened the doors to a new demonic reign. They went from living in a spiritual godly mindset and intense closeness with the Lord to now living in a soul realm earthly mindset and having division from him. You understand, God is spiritually understood and not reasoned out with your soul, but instead through your spirit. This is why to so many it can become a stumbling block because they try to reason him rather than seek to know him. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So we became enslaved to living in the soul realm and flesh and bondage to sin and all the results of it. We are bound to it, born with the sin nature. The first emotion Adam and Eve felt once they took that knowledge into their beings was not euphoria or joy or even enlightenment. It was shame. And shame caused them to hide, cover up. What do you do today when we feel shame? We hide. We put on false personas or masks. Shame causes extroverts to become introverts. That, my friend, is a very simple gee whiz understanding of the bondage and sin nature we all have suffered under, this dark kingdom I speak of. For some, this was an aha moment. You can also now see how Adam and Eve's freedom of will differed from ours and what theirs became. Our innate free will still intact, 
but our souls in bondage to sin. But let us remember there were two trees in the garden. The tree of life was also there. It is representative of Jesus and living in the Spirit again. As we know, when Jesus died on the cross, he made a way for us to walk in freedom of the soul, like captives set free. It is only through him. Read Romans 7 and 8. Read anywhere it talks about grace. Actually, read the New Testament and you will see it with fresh eyes. Being free, as when Jesus talks about freedom in John chapter 8, goes past mindfulness and positive thinking. It even goes past the ability to make choices of the will. It goes past these things and personal exercises, although they are, quote, good, it is not our goodness that gives us merit or true freedom of the soul. That is the part of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hear me. I am a huge proponent of these things, but they are not what alone brings us freedom, nor what defines us as a free person. We want to be a people, an individual who lives in the tree of life, and let that be our influence and identity. We want to walk in true freedom again. But one might say, I guess what is truth if it is not just another choice of the will? Because, dear Jesus, I can convince my mind imagination to believe anything and then that anything becomes absolute truth and reality to me. But my response could only be this. It is that very possibility of choice, your free will, that allows you to question and to choose. And there is a marker within human beings that drives us to find truth. When you have an encounter with Jesus... Not all the extra stuff, but with Jesus, you have an encounter with love and truth and freedom, and that is between him and you. Does anybody actually walk in true freedom? No, only one did. His name was Jesus Christ. But each of us, through grace offered to us by not just the death, because many have died for so great a cause, but by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So by grace, we could obtain the same level of power to walk in true freedom as he intended us to. True freedom at its core is receiving the gift of salvation offered by Jesus Christ and then walking in the absolute revelation that nothing, neither height nor width, nor depth, nor situation, nor powers of darkness, Not even your decision to run away, dear prodigal, can separate you from his great and amazing, everlasting, abounding, heart-overwhelming love. It is for you to know, to receive, and be only influenced by. Being a Christian doesn't make you better than anyone, but in the respect that you made the ultimate decision and have received salvation. While freedom is instant, the process of learning to live as a free person in relationship to him is a journey. Although our our gift of free will is always intact, now our souls can walk out freedom as we receive his love again. Who the Son sets free is free indeed, but even still I value that he never forces anyone and the choice is mine each and every day because in his sovereignty... He allows it.